0: Welcome to another episode of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame podcast. I'm your host, Chris May. Thanks to our new sponsors at Metronet Fiber. Contact Metronet today and get 200 megabits per second internet for only forty nine ninety five per month. Add TV and phone for as low as $29.95 more per month and get two free set-top boxes. Visit metronetinc.com for all the details. Metronet, simply a better connection. If you don't know the story of Jim Powers, today you're in for a real treat. An Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame inductee and a 1943 graduate of South Bend Central High School, he played for John Wooden at both South Bend Central and Indiana State University. But Powers' career in basketball, while heavily and positively impacted by Wooden's influence, extends well beyond stories just about his coach. The 95-year-old will give us plenty of details and recollections about what it was like to play for a man regarded as one of the sport's greatest coaches, but he'll also take us back to South Bend in the Depression, flying missions in World War II service, and the experience of playing on the first integrated college basketball team to play in a national postseason tournament that was Indiana State in the 1940s with African-American Clarence Walker. From a basketball perspective, Jim Powers came from the era of set shots and underhanded free throws and just after the center jump was eliminated after every basket. He was an assistant coach for South Bend Central's 1953 and 57 state championship teams. He was the head coach for the Bears' 1963 squad, including future UCLA and TV star Mike Warren that played in the state championship game at Butler Fieldhouse. And for a true dose of Indiana basketball history, try this one out. He played in a 1942 Indiana High School semi-state that included three coaches who would eventually be inducted not only in our Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, but also in the Naismith Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. John Wooden was the coach of South Bend Central. Cliff Wells was at Logansport. And Everett Case led the Frankfurt Hot Dogs. Without further ado, we hope you'll enjoy the next hour of stories, memories, and Indiana basketball history with Jim Powers. So, Coach, you were born in 1925. I'm interested what your first basketball memories in your life are. Well,
1: I'll tell you. It's uh, I'm going to uh, mention that uh, life is really a journey, and uh, I, I've had a very long journey. And uh, I think three important things that, uh, especially my uh, my. Uh, special friend, uh, Coach Wooden and always talked about. There are three important things uh, in life: family, faith, and friends. And uh, I'd like to start out with uh, my first recollection. What I remember most about my life <clears throat> at the beginning was South <clears throat> South Bend St. Joseph Catholic Elementary School or uh, Grade School, and the uh, tremendous uh, uh, influence that that particular uh, beginning got. Uh, my basketball coach at uh, St. Joe uh, grade school was a man by the name of uh, John McKenna. Uh, he was a, um, a Notre Dame graduate. Apparently he must have uh, got his first uh, teaching job at uh, St. Joe after he graduated. This this man was uh, was just wonderful. Uh, what what a beginning of you know, the uh, sport of basketball, uh, to have a coach like him that was interested in all young people, but certainly showed a great deal of of interest in me, and and along with that there was another uh, the assistant pastor, was a uh, man by the name of Father Joe Barry, he was a, a Holy Cross, father and uh, he he kind of uh took over and and helped with uh, most of the things at the uh, at at the, at the school and uh, he would uh, during uh, noon hour he would uh supervise the uh, I think it was called uh, some kind of uh, passing football game that we would would play uh, for the young kids <clears throat> but anyway I had two two wonderful mentors to start out Along with one of my uh, classmates at um, Saint Joe Grade School was a kid by the name of Jack Rockney, and he was the son of Newt Rockney, the famous Notre Dame football coach. So I had a, a tremendously uh, uh, <clears throat> interesting uh, uh, beginning in my basketball career.
0: So, with the timing of your birth, the, the depression is is right around the corner. So. Did you have a basketball of your own as a kid? Did you, uh, you know, have a hoop in a driveway? What what sort of experiences did you have in that regard?
1: No, I tell you, uh, basketball was, uh, you know, was not anything uh, <clears throat> great either in my household or almost anybody I'll, I'll tell you, my my feeling is that that <laughs> basketball started when John Wooden came into town. And more or less, he bought, uh, got uh, basketball to a uh, uh, high point, And uh, I credit him for, uh, for every, everything in, in that relationship.
0: And I am also interested, uh, so many folks in this podcast series, we talk about the atmosphere of high school basketball, growing up in a town where everybody went to the game. In your era in South Bend, before you get to high school, uh, what was the high school basketball scene in that time?
1: Well, as I say uh, for example at uh, at Central High School, and I do want to want to say that uh, uh, when I graduated from St Joe the next year, uh, all of my friends at uh, uh, St Joe all went to central Catholic uh, which was out in the more or less the uh, south side of uh, South Bend. I was the only one that that, uh, didn't go to, uh, the Catholic school. I decided that I wanted to play basketball for coach Wooden. And so, uh, I, I enrolled at South Bend Central, uh, in, in 1939. And, uh, uh, so that's where it, where it all began. But, uh, until that point, I just don't think that, uh, South Bend, uh, and, and basketball in, in general, uh, was was a really a, a prominent thing
0: and, and take me back to that time when you make the decision to go to South Bend Central because what I'm picking up on is in your own household was ba- was basketball that important to, to your parents to your family uh, I mean how do you come to the decision that you want to go to central because of basketball no uh,
1: i I'm sorry to say that i didn't didn't have a great deal of Leadership uh, from either one of my my parents from almost the very beginning. Uh, we have to talk about a uh, you know a different era, and uh, really my my parents weren't weren't that interested, and almost all the decisions I made were were kind of my my own. And uh, but at any rate, I, uh, I I just am so thrilled that uh, I made the decision to uh, to go to Central High School. It was the most wonderful high school uh, in the state of Indiana. Uh, just think of the uh, of the people that uh, that I met there, uh, that I developed friendships with. We had the best of everything at Central High School. We had the finest principal, a man by the name of P. D. Pointer, that I had the great uh, greatest respect for. We had the finest teaching staff. They were leaders in the in the uh, state of Indiana in uh, almost all phases, uh, in uh, uh, English, in math. Uh, We had scholars that were teaching those uh, classes and uh, uh, we had the finest student body. uh, uh, Naturally, people like, uh, uh, we had uh, John Brademas uh, was one of our students uh, uh, there. Uh, But at any rate, uh, it was a tremendous uh, facility there's only one thing that they lacked, and they did not have one athletic facility to conduct any sport. Can you imagine eventually the things that South Bend Central did? In in my year, for example, I practiced basketball at seven o'clock in the morning. At the YMCA, we did not have football facilities, They had to go to a place called School Field to play uh, football. We went to um, uh, the YMCA, excuse me, there's another uh, facility like the YMCA. And that's where we had our swimming program. The only thing that we had at South Bend Central was wrestling and everything else, we went everywhere and, you know, there was no complaining. No alibiing, no nothing. You know, those were uh, Wooden's uh, principles uh, that you don't do anything. You do the best that you possibly can in in the situation you're in. So anyway, uh, I I just can't say enough about South Bend Central. It was a wonderful school.
0: Who could fathom in this day and age uh, a school without any athletic facilities, like you said, We've come a long way in that regard. And for folks who uh, have been in the area, the, the building still stands, last I knew, but now it, is a retirement home, correct? That is correct.
1: Uh, but think that it was this way, Chris, all the way through until 1970 when they closed the school. When I was coaching in 1963 and we're playing the state in the state finals, I was practicing at Notre Dame in what they call the field house. I practiced at Notre Dame at 7 o'clock in the morning. We practiced for two hours. We had a bus that picked us up at at 9 o'clock and got us to uh, the high school, which was about uh, seven or eight miles away. And so that was the way we had to uh, uh, do that one particular sport. And we're playing in the in the state finals, and Notre Dame has the Bengal bouts, and I can't practice at Notre Dame, so I had to practicing for the for the state championship. I had to practice at a at a junior high school, and, and it, it was just uh, absolutely uh, unbelievable the 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 things that we had to do at at Central High School, and we're so successful. You know, in the 50s, we won state championships. I couldn't even tell you how many, but almost in every sport, and like I say, the only sport that we had was wrestling there. Other than that, we we went all over the city of South Bend uh, to conduct practices and to play our sport.
0: So I want to go back to you choosing Central and enrolling there. If my math is correct, you're entering high school somewhere around um, 1938 or 39, perhaps. 39. And Coach Wooden would have been at South Bend Central for maybe two years before you arrived. What was his reputation? Uh, what did people think of him? Well, he was, you know,
1: I thought a great deal of him. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know a great deal of uh, other than what I had uh, heard people talk about, but I knew that he was a... Uh, uh, an all-American at at Purdue, I knew that he was a state champion at Martinsville, and uh, I knew that he was certainly go- going to be one of the uh, uh, best coaches in the, in the state of Indiana, and uh, it certainly t- turned turned out to be that way.
0: Maybe more than Indiana. <laughs> yeah, uh, Well, and I and I want to ask you as well, um, was it like? all the best basketball kids from from junior high all wanted to come to Central because of him at that point? Had that happened? Or was that happening? Oh,
1: I don't don't remember that it being that way. Uh, uh, We had very, very strict boundaries, of course, uh, kind of unlike today or certainly at at the end of the uh, uh, Central uh, period uh, where, uh, you know, in, in South Bend, for example, now, I guess, Uh, A a kid can go almost to any school he wants to go to. Uh, I don't think there are any restrictions on boundaries, but uh, during that time, uh, that was strictly adhered to. And uh, I I don't think there was any uh, uh, people skipping around because uh, Coach Wooden was at, at South Bend Central.
0: As a player. How would you describe yourself going into high school? Were, were you bigger than kids, faster than kids, better than kids? I mean, where did you rank on the basketball landscape, so to speak?
1: I would say um, very average, uh, uh, Chris. Um, our tallest uh, kid, our center, was about 6'2". Uh, I played forward at uh, 5'11". Most people, uh, you know, it, it was, as I say, just just a completely different era. Uh, I think, think I certainly had uh, abilities. Uh, I think I was fairly quick, uh, especially with, with the hands, I think wouldn't like that uh, on defense, but uh, you know, we played basketball games. Uh, I remember playing uh, Lebanon uh, with um, Pete Mount was the uh, player at, uh, at uh, Lebanon. And uh, we went to uh, Lebanon and just had a what they called a barn burner. And we, we lost the game 27 to 26. <laughs> <laughs> so it, you know, it was a completely different, uh, uh, era and time. Uh, there were times when I would lead, lead the team in scoring with uh, three baskets and five free throws, maybe 11 points. And that, that was, you know, considered a, a great deal. So the game has changed so much. Uh, but again, to get to your uh, question, uh, I was just a, a I guess an average player but we had a an excellent team because you know he had built into that I guess motto from from day 1 was that we were a team and uh, you were no stronger than the weakest link and so maybe we, we might have five more or less average basketball players but we were so schooled on defense and discipline and uh, offense, we 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 ran and until we got a, a good shot. Boy, you didn't take uh, any of the shots you see today, and you didn't make cross-court passes. So we were very disciplined, and as a team, we were very good because of what he had, had built.
0: And you've already mentioned a number of these types of things. I wanted to ask you about the style of basketball you played. To go along with what you've already mentioned, uh, this is probably the era of the set shot. Uh, did you shoot free throws underhanded? Take us back to that time and, and how the game was played and how the ball was shot. Well, again,
1: um, definitely um, we shot free throws underhanded. I was I was the free throw champion uh, about two years in a row, and uh, I shot over seventy-five to eighty percent from the uh, free throw line, and I was very very good at that underhand free throw but um uh, it was the beginning of the uh, era of the uh, of the fast break and i think wooden uh, was certainly uh, one of the original disciples of that so uh, every day uh, we had our fast break drills that we kind of started with and uh, along with that i think that was the beginning of uh, i don't know whether you'd call it a set shot or not but it certainly was the beginning of the one-handed Push shot, and uh, so um, I guess there was a a guy out by the name of Ralph Vaughn out at uh, USC that supposedly was the was the originator of that shot. But um, it, it wasn't anything close to what we call the uh, the jump shot now. But it was uh, uh, you would kind of plant your feet and uh, and push with that with that. I was right-handed and push with that right hand, but, but uh, I don't recall us ever li- leaving the floor in the shot.
0: <laughs> and, and it also, as a point of reference, you're entering high school right as the center jump after each basket was eliminated, because I think that was 1936 or 38 when the center jump went out and that pace of play, I'm guessing, starts to pick up as you had referenced. That, that is correct. That, that's
1: the way I, I felt about it, that, uh, that we were, um, Really a very, very good, fast-breaking team. Now You have to play good defense, good rebounding. You have to get that ball off the board. But, boy, we'd practice every day taking that ball off the uh, backboard and getting that outlet pass out to the the wingman. And down the floor, we would go uh, three on two, two on one. Uh, that was just ingrained in us uh, every single day of the of the week.
0: One of the things that's well-known uh, from Coach Wooden's career was the way that he regimented practices and had a purpose for everything. Did you see that playing for him in high school?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, that's the big thing about uh, South Bend Central basketball. We were at the YMCA uh, with, with Wooden, and uh, like I say, 7 o'clock in the morning. You can imagine... That if he did not have that two-hour practice down to the last minute, you know, it would have been just chaos trying to get things done before nine o'clock in the morning and getting people back to uh, class and get get ready to go for the for the school day. Uh, so yes, he started that, and I think that was the original plan. Was that because he was not at his Home facility, and he just couldn't uh, uh, do things that so he wanted. He just absolutely had to have every single minute detail on, like I say, the, the fundamentals of passing, shooting, defense, and, and so forth. All those things, every single day, he had each one of those things designated, and uh, they were literally down to the minute. minute.
0: I want to go through a couple of the seasons while you were in high school at South Bend Central. What I think was your sophomore year, 1941, the Bears were 26-3, and went to the final eight of the state, the final game of the semi-state back then. Then I'm fascinated by your junior year, the 1941-42 season. 26-4 26-4 and four is the record I have here. And again, back in the final game of the semi-state, final eight, I should say, of the tournament. That is correct. And here's, here's a question. I, I just looked at this, and I want you to confirm. The semi-state was at Hammond. South Bend Central was coached by John Wooden. You beat Logansport, who was coached by Cliff Wells. That's correct. And you lost by four to Frankfurt, who was coached by Everett Case. That is correct. That's three guys: Wooden, yeah. Case, and Wells, who were in the Naismith Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts, in one day of Indiana high school basketball. That that yeah. blows my mind.
1: That's that's exactly right. Yeah, in 1941, we had uh, a wonderful basketball player by the name of Eddie Ayler's. Of course, he's in the uh, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, but he was a tremendous basketball player on that team. And yes. Uh, he was, uh, or we were beaten by uh, Gary Frable, and uh, Davidge Miner uh, was the player on there, and he also is. He went to UCLA, and, and uh, uh, he uh, is, is also in the uh, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame.
0: Uh, t- take me back. That junior year and that semi-state I mentioned at Hammond, uh, you were the second leading scorer on the team. I've got to give a quick plug to Earl Mishler and the website etpearl.com. The history there is, is fantastic uh, beyond belief. And that's where I'm getting these results and these statistics and all this uh, information I'm referencing. But so, so your, your junior year, 1942, you're one of the key guys. You have another great year, 26 and four, you make it to the final game of the semi-state. What's that like for you?
1: Well, it was just, uh, you know, absolutely wonderful. Uh, We had a, uh, terrific uh, uh, afternoon game and uh, and a and a wonderful uh, evening game and uh, it was just unfortunate that uh, that we lost that ball game but uh, uh, I don't know what else to say uh, it was a uh, wonderful experience again these are things that that had never happened to uh, South Bend before so this was the beginning of the uh, uh, of the basketball dominance in uh, uh, South Bend, and specifically uh, South
0: Bend Central, and that's what I wonder. Back-to-back semi-states in 41 and 42. Do you guys get to become a bit of a celebrity, or a, a, you know, a more well-known around town, or what, what's the atmosphere at that point? I, I
1: again, you're uh, going back too far. I, I don't remember the details of things like that. Uh, I'm sure it was certainly celebrated, but I don't think uh, uh, anything. Uh, Greater outstanding, there was no crowds waiting for us uh, when we got home and things like that. It was it, it was finally where where we finally won the state championship that we finally had the uh, the recognition uh, by by the uh, by the city. But uh, uh, I think they were certainly uh, uh, happy, but uh, not celebrating quite like uh, like they do it in the
0: uh, current your senior season, the 1942-43 season. You're the leading scorer. You averaged a little over 10 points a game. And as you referenced earlier, I, I see some scores where your teams had 29 points, 31 points, oh, 32 yeah. points. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> an average of 10 or 11 points a game back then is, is uh, no small feat, I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> what was that experience like? Because that's now the third season in a row of, of 20 wins for South Bend Central and for Coach Wooden's program.
1: Well, we ended up, um, uh, Chris, being uh, ranked number one. Uh, which was just a uh, phenomenal thing for, again, South Bend. This is the first time these things had ever happened. Uh, we had uh, beaten uh, Rochester uh, in a uh, late-season game, and uh, at any rate, uh, we were ranked number one uh, going into the tournament, and uh, we got through the sectional and uh, got to the regional and got to the, uh, to the finals, and we were facing uh, – John Longfellow, and his uh, Elkhart Blue Blazers. And there was a uh, young man by the name of uh, Tom Saunders that was playing for uh, for Elkhart. And uh, we were cruising along, uh, playing very well in the first half, and finally got to the second half. And uh, this Tom Saunders that uh, had not, I don't think he even played in the first half, he came in in the second half, I think if I remember right, I think he made eight baskets and a free throw in the uh, in the second half. He was just throwing them in from every place and uh, they beat us 47 to 43. And one of the most heartbroken uh, things that I've ever experienced. Uh, I just thought we were gonna really <laughs> go all the way and uh, really one, one particular uh, uh, guy, you say one person doesn't beat you, but I think in this particular case, uh, Saunders was just absolutely fabulous, and and he beat us that night.
0: So, as you mentioned, kind of a devastating end to your high school career with the loss to Elkhart in the regional. As I mentioned, your senior year is 1942-43, and the United States is getting involved in World War II around this time. Uh, What was explained to us, it's pretty well known, Coach Wooden joined the service. You also served our country. Can you tell us a little bit about that background and how that came to be? (laughs) I graduated
1: from South Bend Central High School in June of 43. I I, I turned 18 in March of that year. I had to sign up for the draft and I was deferred until I graduated. So I graduated in June and left in July for the uh, Army Air Force. Uh, I spent two and a half years in the Army Air Force. I eventually, after uh, probably uh, oh, I'd say six, six to nine months, I was a um, radio operator on a B-24 bomber. And uh, I was sent overseas and uh, landed in uh, <clears throat> Naples, Italy, and uh, eventually uh, flew 45 missions out of uh, southern Italy. And uh, I guess uh, I had uh, a number of very, very uh, uh, close calls. Uh, Most of our missions were about five to six hours. And uh, of course, uh, we flew with um, um, all the the, um, winter gear. We didn't have any oxygen uh, after 10,000 feet. And so we had to have an oxygen mask. And so we uh, flew. Our missions were usually uh, in the 21, 22,000 feet. So you're basically uh, going from certainly uh, five to eight hours uh, in that bomber uh, with that uh, winter garb on, oxygen mask on, and uh, uh, until you drop the bomb and uh, return, uh, it is uh, quite an experience.
0: <laughs> that's, that's putting it mildly. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for your service and uh, your time helping uh, keep America and the world safe. We appreciate that. So what was it like for you? you, you when you, when the war was over, when you're out of the service, what did you come back to, and, and what were you planning to do next?
1: Well, I got back in, in 1945. I first had an opportunity to enroll at uh, Indiana University, <clears throat> and so I did. I, I, I came out of the uh, service in, in October. And so I decided to enroll at uh, Indiana University in October, and uh, I was in some sort of a speed-up program. I made the uh, the varsity uh, basketball team, so I played in 1945-40, I guess it was 45-46 season. Branch McCracken had not been uh, uh, discharged yet, and so I had another uh, coach by the name of Forrest Good, and... Uh, So anyway, I remember uh, going to um, Michigan for the first conference game. And uh, I don't know, I kind of got sick after that. And uh, so I got back home and uh, I had to go to the infirmary for a few days. And uh, so at any any rate, I got far behind in my school, uh, in my education. And so I decided to leave and go home and I did. And eventually, I received a telephone call from John Wooden, and he said that he was going to go to Indiana State, and would I be interested in going there? And so that's the the way I ended up going to uh, Indiana State with about uh, a half dozen other South Bend people that I'll mention later, but uh, that was the way I, I ended up going to Indiana State.
0: To, to revisit your arrival at Indiana University, was there any sort of recruitment? Did they say, "Hey, you were a basketball player a few years ago. We want you to come there? How did that happen?
1: No, I just remember trying out for the team, and it was right after the war had ended, and uh, boy, there were some uh, famous basketball players, and i I having a hard time now remembering uh, oh golly i just I just can't remember it, but uh, they had a very, we had a very good basketball team. And there were some very uh, famous uh, players on that, and I just can't can't remember their names right now.
0: So you mentioned Coach Wooden calls you, and some other South Bend guys are going to go with him. So talk us through that process getting to Terre Haute, and uh, what all went into that. Well,
1: we left for for uh, Indiana State. There were um, oh, I guess I I remember the 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 first tryout for Wooden. That year, you can imagine how many returning lettermen there were at that first tryout. As I recall, there were over 100 people tried out for the basketball team in Wooden's first first year. And how in the world he ever got that cut down to 12 varsity players, I'll never know. But uh, a number of them were South Bend people, friends of mine. Lena Rozeski, uh, Dan Demich. Oh, I guess those were the main ones from South Bend. But I wanted to say that uh, Dwayne Klee, uh, a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, was really the star athlete at uh, uh, in our first few years there. Did but he come? Way, did
0: he come in at the same time as you, or had he already been at? at he at the he was
1: a year ahead of me, but uh, he played three years with us until. Till my senior year but uh we were playing in that first year or so with a fan-shaped basket and would Dwayne, w- Dwayne would would somehow or other drive the baseline and get around that fan-shaped basket which was very easy and he would just get those drive-in layups uh, in, in that basket but uh that was re- very interesting that first year playing with those fan-shaped baskets
0: you you, uh, uh, you mentioned the facilities at South Bend Central. I'm interested, g- given the status of college athletics these days and the facilities college programs have, uh, what were the facilities in the Indiana State like at that time for basketball?
1: I guess they were uh, uh, certainly uh, normal or, or regular, uh, except for that fan-shaped basket, which I don't think only lasted just the one year. And I think from that point on, we were using recta- rectangular ones. But as as I recall, the uh, the Indiana State uh, I, I, all I can think of is it was called the Fieldhouse, and uh, it was fine. I, I can't remember again how many uh, people were in the uh, in the in the fans, uh, how, how much it held. But uh, uh, it it was a normal normal situation. But I I wanted to mention uh, also, uh, Chris, that uh, one of one of the uh, athletes. Uh, Actually, uh, from East Chicago, Washington, was a young man by the name of Clarence Walker, and of course, uh, uh, he played with me. Uh, was my teammate for four years, and of course, he was the uh, the one that uh, wouldn't uh, was able to uh, to get to uh, play at the um, national uh, NAIB uh, uh, championship uh, at. Kansas City, and he was the first uh, black kid to to ever uh, play in in that national tournament.
0: I appreciate you bringing that up. I'd I'd like to know a little bit more um, about him, Mr. Walker, but also that experience, uh, because to that point, African-Americans, I I believe, had not been permitted to play in the tournament, or at least the travel and accommodations were were less than friendly. Uh, What was that like from your eyes and your perspective? Oh,
1: there were... um, uh, times when I, I guess I remember um, going to New York to play at Madison Square Garden. We drove in cars, and uh, I think that uh, once in particular, I I remember stopping to uh, eat at a restaurant, and uh, uh, they would not uh, uh, serve us with uh, clearance, and so we just packed up and and left. We uh, were not treated. I, I I don't think I remember anything at home but uh, certainly there were a time or two when when we had to uh, either stay overnight or to uh, go to restaurants and and certainly he was uh, uh, mistreated i don't know if there's uh, anything else i can think of uh, naturally we had a, a tremendous uh, basketball team both with with wooden and of course with uh, john longfellow the last 2 years uh, wooden left uh, indiana state in in the uh, a 1947-48 year, and so uh, he went to uh, to UCLA, and and uh, Longfellow took over. But uh, uh, the players and the uh, uh, the teams at Indiana State, of course, uh, we participated in the national tournament for four years and won it in 1950. And uh, I can't say enough about uh, Lenny Rozeski and. Uh, Dan Dimage in particular were outstanding uh, players in that uh, in that era but can you imagine uh, Clarence Walker Dwayne Clee Linda Rozeski Dan Dimage John Wooden John Longfellow uh, there are so many uh, Indiana basketball hall of fame people there that uh, uh, I I I just can't believe it it was a a, a wonderful experience
0: I do want to uh, add another question on the Clarence Walker situation, especially given the environment we're in currently. Did, did Coach Wooden ever speak about that, about the racial injustice, the way he was treated uh, no, to the rest of the team?
1: I don't recall anything, uh, Chris. I uh, uh, I just know that that things that went on were quietly handled by him but um, the first year I remember, we refused to uh, to go to the to the tournament, and uh, Coach Wooden didn't say anything about it. But I found out that later on that it was because they were not going to accept Clarence to uh, to play. So it was finally a little bit later on they changed their mind, and he finally uh, uh, went. But uh, most of the things I think uh, were handled very quietly by him. And uh, I, I I just d- didn't even know what was going on.
0: You referenced Coach Wooden heading to UCLA. This is a guy that you were close with. Uh, you've talked about your experiences in South Bend at South Bend Central. He calls you to ask you if you'd come to Terre Haute and play at Indiana State. So what was it like to you personally when you found out he was leaving Indiana State?
1: Well, of course, we were very, very disappointed. But I was very happy for his opportunity. Uh, I knew that that he was destined to be a a, a college coach and uh, I just couldn't uh, help but have uh, you know good feelings. I very disappointed that he wasn't going to be my coach through the uh, four years at Indiana State but certainly uh, uh, very very uh, happy for him for his opportunity and uh, I I just I I just can't tell you uh, I've had uh, 70 years of friendship with coach and uh, he was one in a billion and uh, there'll never never be another one uh, like him. And uh, for me to have the opportunity, uh, I'm sure there are thousands of players and friends that, that he had through the years, but I don't think that there's anybody that had the opportunity to be with him for 70 years from the beginning in 1939 to through that 2010 and the moments that I had I'll you know remember for the rest of my life but he wrote letters to me talked to me on the telephone I was with him so many so many times I just couldn't even uh, tell you how many times I went to uh, clinics and he would always always treat me with the greatest respect invite me to meetings with other fellow coaches uh, I have met (laughs) Met all the, the, the famous uh, coaches uh, of all time. And I just, um, you know, there are many things that you want to be noted for. But being one of Coach Wooden's boys is the most obvious um, recognition that, that, that I have. I'll remember that for the rest of my life.
0: And if you hadn't used that phrase, I was going to because I've been with you and heard you reference yourself, even at over 90 years old, as one of Coach Wooden's boys and if anything speaks to the reverence you had for him and the friendship and the uh, the special feelings which you've just laid out for us the fact that you can view yourself as one of coach wooden's boys after 70 plus years of knowing the man says it all to me
1: well i just learned so much every day that you spend with with him every minute every hour i mean it was it was just something. uh, But, you know, just for example, uh, his feeling on life, you know, basketball was way down on on the list of importance with, with him. He loved family, was number one. Faith was number two and friends was number three. I consider him one of my friends and the matter of things that you learn, my goodness, um, I think one of the most important things, he stressed preparation. Failure to prepare is preparing for failure. If we just apply that in everything that we do, Chris, in, in life, you would, you know, the other thing is, be the best you can be you know he had this that he's famous for is the pyramid of success all that means is that you each day try to be the best that you can be if you do that there are people that are going to have more talent than you have are going to be able to do things to outdo you but if you do the best you can do that is success i i could i could go on with with other things, but the things that I learned from him, you know, have stood with the test of time and have lived with me forever, but uh, he's the most wonderful person that, that has ever been put on the face of the earth. He's, he's terrific.
0: Well, we appreciate your memories and your stories regarding Coach Wooden. We've talked about your playing career. We haven't talked about your coaching career, and before we get to games coached, at what point did being a, a high school coach, a basketball coach, become a goal or a, real, uh, a reality for you?
1: Well, I feel like, again, Coach Wooden, I think I was a teacher. My wife was a teacher. I think it is the uh, the finest vocation. I hope that I was a uh, teacher of basketball. I hope that uh, all of the players that played for me feel a little bit like me, the way I feel about Coach Wooden. I think the coaches have the uh, Greatest opportunity to, to influence uh, young people. And uh, when I've had the opportunity to coach people like Mike Warren, and uh, I guess uh, Mike and I, of course, are close friends today, and uh, to have them call me and express their thankfulness for what I've you know, had an opportunity to do for them. I've had so many uh, uh, people, had a young man by the name of... Uh, Wade Fuller, that uh, have written letters to me, which uh, I would be happy to uh, share with you some uh, some other time. But teaching has been uh, wonderful. I just think it's the, the best vocation to be. And uh, I'm just happy that for really all my life, that uh, being a family man, having faith in God, and, and uh, having friends like uh, I've just mentioned uh, is just overwhelming for me. Thank you.
0: Well, Coach, um, when we talk about your coaching career, you made reference earlier, uh, you were, I believe, an assistant coach. South Bend Central won the Indiana High School Basketball State Championships in 1953 and 1957. And then you became the head coach of your alma mater, South Bend Central. And as you mentioned, led your team back to the state finals in 1963. So among those occasions, uh, what stands out of your coaching time at your alma mater?
1: Well, I guess the... uh I'm I'm certainly proud of all the teams at all the schools that I I've, I've been at but uh, I guess I would have to uh, uh single out uh, the 1963 uh, year as uh, certainly uh, one of the most wonderful years of of my life I uh, I had 12 wonderful uh, basketball players I had coaches and athletic directors and, principals. And most of all, I had the uh, South Bend Central uh, family that was in uh, support of everything we did. And so I am extremely proud of that 1963 team, along with really all the the teams that I've uh, coached through the years.
0: You had relayed to me once uh, a story about how you used to go about scouting, which included a a (laughs) walkie-talkie. I'm I'm curious if you uh, would have the time to tell us that story and inform our listeners about an interesting part of high school basketball history.
1: Well, of course, I didn't mention that uh, in the uh, uh, in the discussion about my next 1963 team. But in addition to the uh, the, the fact that we did not have a, a home floor or a practice area. The second thing was that uh, a few years earlier, I had thought about multiple offenses and defenses. And uh, certainly in the, in the years 63 that we're talking about, I had a young man by the name of Mike Warren that was the quarterback of my team. And uh, so I was using four or five different offenses and four or five different Defenses and so a lot of coaches would use signs and so forth. I had names for everything that we did on on offense and defense, and so I would usually call out to uh, Mike Warren and tell him to run a certain offensive de- offense. De- I didn't have to call timeouts very often. Now, as I say, a, a, a couple years before, I had decided that I would have walkie talkies and I would have my coaches up in the uh, stands, and during the course of the game, if they would spot something that somebody was doing, I had my walkie-talkie with my assistant coach, and the walkie-talkie with my scout coach, and so um, at any rate, we were using that walkie-talkie. I used it at uh, Muncie Central during the regular season, and uh, Bob Barnett, the uh, writer for the Muncie Star. The next day, we had we had beaten Muncie Central, and uh, he said uh, something in his article on Sunday that uh, they had been beaten by the better team. But he wondered whether or not that walkie-talkie was legal. And so, uh, evidently, that got to uh, uh, to the IHSAA. And Phil Eskew, uh, I'm I'm playing in the um, regional at uh, Elkhart and uh, apparently uh, Phil Eskew was at the uh, at the game and uh, during the halftime excuse me uh, after the uh, game was over Phil Eskew came into the uh, locker room and asked me not to use it the next night I mean that uh, uh, final game against um, Goshen and uh, I said what are you talking about? Why, what, why wouldn't I use the uh, walkie-talkie? He said, well, there's nothing in the uh, book that uh, makes it illegal, but I'm asking you if for the time being, he said, I will call the Board of Control on Monday and I'll get a ruling on it, but I want you to not use it tonight. So I did not use it for the Goshen game, which we, we almost lost uh, and won it uh, at the last second. Uh, but at any rate, uh, the next Monday, why uh, he uh, called the board of control and they voted the uh, walkie-talkies illegal, and I was no no I was not able to use it the rest of the year, <clears> the <throat> rest of the season. And by the way, we got to the state finals at Hinkle um, or Butler Fieldhouse. And uh, whether you're not aware of it, uh, we were sitting below floor level. The uh, the floor is about three feet above your level where you're sitting. And I I, I would have been very happy to use the uh, walkie-talkie and have the coach tell me that Muncie had gone to a, a zone defense uh, during the uh, course of the game. And uh, at any rate... Uh, That was uh, one of the things about the 63-year that that we had the uh, walkie-talkies taken away from us.
0: And I'd like to wrap up. Uh, Family is important to you, and you mentioned family was a a tenant of Coach Wooden's teachings. Um, You've got a large family. You've got a, a great family, highly successful family, and your experience included, after South Bend Central, you coached at Rochester and won a couple sectionals there, I believe, and then at Elkhart Memorial, you had the chance to coach your son, Jim Jr., and had some success there. So what was that like as you wound down your coaching days to, to have a fantastic team with your son, a key part of it? Well, I
1: certainly uh, enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know wh- whether he did as as much or not. Uh, uh, I tried to, to treat all the uh, uh, players equally. Um, I think that, again, was uh, one of <clears throat> Wooden's philosophies, uh, uh, treat them all fairly, uh, not equally, but fairly. And, uh, so it, it was, there were, uh, you know, sometimes, especially with, with the fans that, uh, uh, maybe there was a moment or two when, when it was a little bit, uh, uneasy, uh, uh, with me coaching, but I would say 90, 99% of the time he happened to be a, a very good player. And, uh, uh, not very, very much to uh,
0: they didn't have much to uh, chant him about or jeer him about. yeah, either.
1: there was not too much to ch- to chastise uh, him about uh, there there were times when uh, when he was taking um, when he I, I remember one time he was uh, scoring about thirty some points at uh, Fort Wayne Elmhurst, and I took him out of the ball game at the end of the third quarter. and uh, I probably would not have done that had he not been my son, but I, I just didn't think that it was uh, right for him to, to, to be doing uh, that. But at any rate, uh, Jim was a, you know, an outstanding player. And of course, uh, eventually has uh, gone into uh, Indiana, Indiana basketball hall of fame. And I was very proud of him. And, and uh, I, I don't think that there was anything that, that really, uh, I, I had an excellent basketball team and, uh, In 1973, and I guess 73, 74, uh, had a young man by the name of uh, Ron Smith that was uh, uh, more or less the uh, team leader of that uh, team. He, of course, uh, uh, is also in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, but uh, Ryan Smith was uh, just an excellent, excellent player. He eventually went to Furman and played for uh, Joe Williams uh, at Furman. Uh, and uh, so at any rate, um, that certainly is, is one of my uh, favorite basketball teams also, the 63 team. We uh, went all the way to the, uh, to the finals of that uh, tournament and um, was beaten by Anderson. Uh, but it was a, 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 t- a terrific team.
0: Well, Coach, it's been an amazing life so many great stories and great experiences. And uh, it's been great to spend time with you to hear some of these stories and to share them with our listeners. Thanks for your time today. And thanks for all you've done for the Indiana basketball hall of fame.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate everything that you, you did. Uh, it, It was a wonderful experience. Thank you.
0: If you haven't yet, here's a reminder to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review and rating. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast outlets. Share these episodes on your social media page so friends and family know about our podcast. Also, make sure to follow the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. HoopsHall.com is the official website of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame and has information on our inductees, our museum, our events, and an online gift shop. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame podcast, and we invite you to continue to listen in to future episodes as we share the stories of basketball in Indiana.